Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Just seeing Claudia up here and knowing how together she she is, and she's undone in the presence of the Lord, just made me think of... Uh, the scripture in John 18, you know, they're coming to arrest Jesus. And it says that uh, <clears throat> Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches torches and weapons. Jesus there, knowing, therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? <laughs> And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who, was, who betrayed him, stood there with them. Now when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell over. <laughs> All these soldiers, weapons, I am he, and they just fall down. When you're in the presence of God, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. He said to them again, whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I've told you I'm he. And then they proceeded to take him. I want to talk this morning, this Resurrection Sunday. It's, this is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. The fact that Christ, he died for our sins. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose again. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. That is the foundation of our faith. But it was a great, great mystery. And uh, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning of verse 6. Even though the scriptures foretold that Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, would come, Isaiah 53 laid out how he would suffer and die for us. Yet there was a a veil that covered that people didn't see and understand. The Jewish nation, Jewish people were looking for Messiah, but they were looking for the conquering Messiah, which is also foretold in the scriptures. But they missed how he had to first come to restore us to himself. And even the disciples, and we'll look at it, Jesus began to tell them that he would suffer and die, and they they didn't get it, even though he spoke plainly over and over again. Sometimes we have an expectation about how God is going to move and how he's going to answer our prayers, and it's, it's not God's plan. It's God's plan. He has a plan to deliver you, to redeem you, to save you from all this stuff. But it may not be the way you expect. And sometimes our expectations can cloud our discernment. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Paul speaking. He says, we speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 7, 
No, we declare God's wisdom in a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. You see, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. No one understood what Jesus was about to do. And had they understood, had the principalities and powers, they would have never, because this was the end of the kingdom of darkness. This was the introduction of the kingdom of heaven back into the earth realm. I mean, Jesus went around and he, said, and, and he was preaching and he said, that if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. The rulership of God is returning to the earth. But instead of coming as a conquering king, which they looked at in the natural, he wanted to establish a kingdom in our hearts first. He wanted a people set apart for him who would follow him out of love and adoration and commitment and just knowing and complete surrender. <clears throat> but it was not understood. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Matthew 16, beginning of verse 1. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus, and they tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say that it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, <coughs> uh, the, for, I'm sorry, you say that it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. What was the sign of Jonah? Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a, a large fish, probably a whale. And the sign that was going to be given is that the Son of Man would be crucified and buried for three days, but on the third day. There's a third day coming. You know, in, in James it says, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years but a day. So if you use that chronology, we're sort of entering into that third day, right? Which we're 2023, we're well into that third day. And there's, there's an outpouring coming because we're entering into the third day. Um, let's keep looking. Uh, same chapter, Matthew 16. Let's skip down to verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. You know, in this world, there are some people who <clears throat> maybe they're more intellectual than others or they think highly of themselves, but 
Here's the reality. We have nothing but what has been given to us. Whether you're, 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 you're bright or, or you have other gifts and talents, um, certain things only come, well, all things only come through God. Whatever we have, we receive by grace. Uh, it's only by grace that we're saved. It's by grace we can continue walking in this life. And it's by grace we're going to be received into heaven. And so everything that we have is by the grace of the Lord. And so Peter gets this revelation, and, and Jesus calls him. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. And, but then he points out, this was not given to you by some special understanding or knowledge. It was not revealed because of your, you know, through human wisdom. You received this. This was revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you the truth, Peter, on this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, uh, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. <clears throat> then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Sounds pretty plain here, what he's telling them. I don't know if they get it. As a matter of fact, right after this, it says that Peter took him aside and said, far be it from you, Lord, we're not going to let this happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew why he came. For this reason, I came into the world, that he was going to the cross. His destiny was the cross. Sometimes we want to know our destiny. Your destiny is the cross. I'm going to say it again. Your destiny is the cross. You've been called to die to your own selfish ambitions and live unto God. Your destiny is the cross. Jesus knew it, and he never drew back. He never drew back. Let's uh, go to the next chapter, Matthew 17. When they came, I'm sorry, Matthew 17, beginning at verse 22. 17, 22. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. I don't know if they heard the last part of this. <laughs> on the third day, he would be raised. They will kill him, and on the third day, he'll be raised. I don't know if they really got it. I mean, he's, all right, this is at least the second time in the same telling, Matthew's gospel, we're hearing it. But do they get it? And they're filled with grief because they're thinking, no, they had an expectation. God, the way you're going to do it is you're going to come and set up a kingdom on earth here and now. 
like Solomon's reign, like David's reign in Israel, and we're going we're gonna to establish the kingdom of God by the force of arms. And it wasn't God's plan. God's plan was to separate a people unto himself. His, his, his plan was to start a kingdom in your heart first. Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ? He needed to change the hearts of men and women. And in order to do that, he had to deal with the sin issue. Because we all have a sin issue. But Christ was the worthy, sinless lamb. Let's keep staying. We'll stay in Matthew, but let's go to uh, chapter 20, beginning of verse 17. Matthew 20, verse 17. Now, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside, and he said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. It's the third time in the same gospel he's telling them the same thing. We're going to see that after the, resu- that after the crucifixion, they're, they're a mess. And they're not looking for the third day. And I often wondered, God, didn't they hear what you were saying? Didn't they hear? Were they thick? And then I started to realize that even in Jesus' telling them, There was a veil. There was a veil over their eyes that they couldn't see clearly. Even though he was speaking plainly, they didn't understand. They didn't understand. What's this veil that I'm talking about? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a veil that's still... You and I, by the grace of God, have had that veil lifted. When you received Christ, when that moment that you understood that he was God come in the flesh, that he died for your sins and you put your faith in him, at that mo- just before that moment, that revelation came to you because the veil was lifted. That veil was lifted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning of verse 15, talking about the, the Jewish people, the natural root, the children of Abraham, It says, even so, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now, we all, because we are, Paul's talking to believers in Corinthians, with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we've been blessed by the grace of God that the veil was lifted and we could see and give our lives. But it says those who, the, the spirit of the age has darkened the minds of men who do not receive the truth and there's a veil over their eyes. We have to pray that the veil is removed. And specifically over Israel, the children of Abraham, 
that, you know, we see in the Old Testament, we, we read Isaiah 53, we read all the Messianic scriptures and say, it's so obvious to us. Why isn't it obvious to them? There's a veil. It's a spiritual thing. And the Bible says that that veil has come upon them, that the gospel could go out to the Gentiles. And if this outpouring, this, this outpouring upon the Gentiles is grace to the whole world, how much more when the children of Israel are restored, when that veil is removed and they come into the kingdom, it's going to be nothing short of the outpouring of the glory of God. And so we need to pray for the children of Abraham, for the Jewish people, that the veil be lifted from their eyes, that they begin to see and come into the, the knowledge of the truth. God, Paul prayed in Ephesians, Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of who you are, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, that we know the hope to which we're called. All right, turn with me to Luke 24. So Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was taken before the high priest, Caiaphas, and the Sanhedrin. And then brought to Pilate because they wanted him crucified. Pilate offered him the exchange. Do you want Barabbas? Do you want Jesus? And they said, we'll take Barabbas, who was a known insurrectionist. And, uh, but they wanted Jesus crucified. And so we had our Good Friday service, and we saw, you know, we went through the last sayings of Jesus. At the end, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Had he not said that, he would have just remained alive because he was God. You can't take God's life. He was also sinless. You know, the wages of sin is death, but he was sinless. He had to give up his life. I think one of the reasons that, that death couldn't hold him was because he had no sin. So let's, let's look in Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. I can't imagine what those clothes look like. Jordan, can you design those? <laughs> In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Wow. All of a sudden, I think the veil was being lifted. You know, we don't always understand why people don't come to Christ. You, you, you present a clear presentation of the gospel. It's so obvious to us. But we've got to pray that the veil be lifted. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, 
Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to his apostles. And listen to this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Another King James Version says gibberish. Like, what's going on? When people don't understand, our clear presentation doesn't, like it doesn't penetrate the minds. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. (laughs) I wonder what happened. (laughs) Still didn't get it. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the resurrection. It says that the resurrection, the resurrected body is different from the, this natural body. So Jesus probably looked different. I used to wonder why they didn't recognize him, but... And maybe it's, they didn't recognize him, still at, that veil is still there. Um, anyway, it says they were kept from recognizing him, which suggests that perhaps the, the veil was still over their eyes because they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, they stood still for a moment, shocked. Their faces downcast, and one of them said, Cleopas, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know what just happened in these days? Jesus said, hmm, what things? (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to restore Israel. They had an expectation. They knew he was Messiah, but their expectation of Messiah was to come and be a conquering king and set up a kingdom now. They didn't fully, why? The veil. It was laid out in the scriptures, but they didn't understand it. As a matter of fact, the principalities and powers of darkness, they didn't understand it either. They thought, yeah, he's the Messiah. He's going to try to set up the kingdom. If we take him out, we win. That's what they thought. And we just read, had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So then they went on. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the... Third day. Everyone say, the third day. The third day is glorious. The third day speaks of the resurrection power of Christ. It speaks of an outpouring. It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They didn't find his body. They came and told us what they they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. 
and, he, and Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. He began to peel back the veil. And he started to explain to them in a way now they were ready to receive and understand it. <clears throat> no one comes to Christ unless the Lord draws him. It's by the grace of God you're saved. It wasn't like we were pretty good and I guess I'll choose God and we got in. No, we were a mess from the start and his grace was poured out to us and his grace allowed us to respond to him. It's only by his grace. And so he pulls back the veil and he, he opens up Moses and all the prophets and explains from the scriptures concerning that Messiah would come and suffer and go and raise, be raised again. As they approached the village where they were about to go, Jesus pretended that he had somewhere else to keep walking to and they insisted, come with us, come with us eat with us. And it's at the moment when they're, they're sharing a meal and Jesus takes the bread and he reenacts the communion and he breaks the bread and he shares it with them and then it says that all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they recognize it's Jesus and then he disappears. It's, it's a powerful scene. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Thank you, Lord. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled which is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Father, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen. God, I thank you for the resurrection. Just in closing, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15 is an amazing, Paul gives a discourse about the resurrection. He says, for I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. First importance, this is the key cornerstones of our faith. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, 
was foretold in the scriptures, that he would die for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was, verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. There's so many witnesses to the resurrection. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, Paul, also as one born out of time, abnormally born, it says in the NIV, meaning he wasn't one of the first 12. He wasn't a follower of Christ, but by the grace of God, he was intercepted on his way to persecute believers. Some even here have not, you've not really considered the resurrection. Christ came into the world. He was God. He took on flesh. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified. He didn't deserve it. He was whipped. He was scourged. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He took those stripes on his back and shed his blood for one reason. Because he wanted to see people like you and me restored back into a relationship with God the Father. It was all about relationship. When we had no one who could intercede for us, no one who Scripture says he looked for someone to stand in the gap and it was none worthy. So his own arm brought forth salvation. So Christ came because no one else could do it. He took on flesh. God became man because there was no man who could could walk righteously. When he went to the cross, he was an innocent man. He was the spotless lamb of God. And they whipped him and they scourged him and they tortured him. And then they crucified him. The cross demands a response from people. But because he was the sinless lamb of God, he was buried, but death couldn't hold him. And on the third day, rose from the grave. The Bible says because he lives, we live also. Everyone who believes in Christ, we were crucified with him on that cross, Galatians 2.20. We were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet it's not us who live anymore, but it's Christ that lives in us. And the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. If you're here this morning and you're trying to live your own life, live a life 
as best you can. Try to do right by people as best I can. Sometimes I mess up, but we try. Well, it's never going to be good enough. If there was another way, Jesus would not have had to die on a cross. But there's only one way. It's by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He is the only way back into relationship with God. If you're here this morning and you'd like to have that relationship with God and you're willing to say, God, I I don't want to go my own way anymore. I've tried it. It doesn't work out so good. Sometimes I really messed up. If we're willing to surrender our lives and say, God, not my life, not my way, but I'll follow you, your way. If you're willing to turn from your way and follow his way, he's ready to come into your heart, forgive all of your sin, and lead and guide you and be a father to you and be your savior. If that speaks to anyone here, I just invite you just to, you know, slip your hand up. Why don't we all stand? You can slip your hand up. Maybe there's someone with you. I invite you to come to the front. We have prayer counselors here that will will pray with you. Just rejoice because when someone turns to the Lord, it says all the angels in heaven, they have a party. See, this was why Jesus came. This is why he died on the cross. He died on the cross because he didn't want to be separated from you and I. So he doesn't want to be separated from you anymore. So if that's you, I invite you to come forward. Just come up to the front. We'll have someone pray with you and just welcome you into this glorious relationship that we share now. It's a relationship with God that no man can take, no devil in hell can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.